Okay, our second scripture reading today, these are both long ones, but I wanted you to hear the full stories of both of these about Paul. We're going to go to Romans chapter 7, verses 7 through 25. So get your Bibles out. I'm reading from my new uh, international version. Um, whatever you have is going to be fine. So let's follow through this together. What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would not have known the covenant really was in the life the law had not said. You should not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by a commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting. For apart from the law, sin was dead. Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me. And though the commandment put me to death, so then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. Nevertheless, in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it is used what is good to bring out my death so that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do I do not do, but what I hate to do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good, as it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that the good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do this good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, as you have poured out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here, Lord, we ask that you bless the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts to be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. Okay, so uh, we are in our second week here of uh, being thankful in the difficult times that we have in our life. Uh, the Worship team did a great job with my buddy Paul here. Uh, isn't this nice? You see his scrolls right here? Uh, his staff and water jug, is that what that would be? Pretty nice. Yes? Okay. So, um, you know, this past week I sort of challenged you all to be thankful every day in November. And I've seen a lot of you do that on Facebook. Um, so congratulations to those of you that are trying to do that. Uh, I am going to put you all on the spot, though, because I want to hear something from you. Um, is it something, when you're being uh, thankful this past week, 
Have you noticed uh, how many things you have to be thankful for? Yeah? Right? Okay, so what are some of those things that you have been thankful for? Just tell me. I want to hear. Our minister. See, and my old boss is here. <laughs> they like me, so you have no say over my life. <laughs> tell Cindy, will you call her? You like me too? Some people have these type of 
conversion stories. Where they used to be a certain way, they used to be bad, they used to be, you know, whatever it is. And then they encounter God and they change their life. How many of you have a story like that? Have a testimony like that? I, I want you to raise your hands. You were changed by God. Now, for me in particular, I've always known God. I grew up in the church. I've been Methodist. I mean, I've told you this, right? From before I was born, I was Methodist, right? And I've been Methodist my whole life. I've always known God. So this conversion story of becoming a Christian, I feel like I've always been one. How many of you are like that? Oh my goodness. Right? And both sides of this story are absolutely fine. There's not one that's better than the other, right? It's just who we are. It's our experience. It's where we came from. This conversion that God had for Saul, who became Paul, Paul would change the course of our faith. He would change the course of who we would become, how we would think about theology and the church. Um, he wrote, and here's, here's a little trivia, there are 27 books in the New Testament. How many do you think Paul wrote? Any ideas? Give you a donut if you know. <laughs> 14. The 14 that are attributed to Paul. Because Paul was completely changed. If we didn't have these writings, you know, we, would, we wouldn't know about what God would want us to be, about how we were supposed to be this way. I mean, it's this fantastic thing that happened to this one man when he encountered Christ, that he would change the course of, of Christianity, of our religion for us, that we would see it in a different way, that we could see that we could be redeemed, that even though we have been sinful, that we could find God, that everyone was allowed, and even the worst one who persecuted all the Christians, that God had brought him, God had brought him to speak this message of hope and peace and love of Jesus Christ change us. It's an incredible story. But that's not the only part of Paul's story here. So when we turn back over to Romans, and we read the scripture that we had in Romans today, from Romans chapter 7, I love this scripture. I love this scripture because it speaks to me, who's always been a Christian. Right? And if you've been a Christian for a long time, you get to this place. So let me read you some words, and maybe you feel it, too. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. I do not understand what I do. You know, I thought that being a Christian meant that you were never going to sin again. I know that's a, you know, fairy tale. But I thought that's what I was supposed to be like, this holy and wonderful person who would never fall down at anybody else. Right? Who would never struggle who would never turn against God, who would never say things to hurt people, who would never do things to hurt people, who would never be sinful again. Because if I truly believe in this message of Christ, then I am changed, and I will never have to worry about sin again. But Paul says to us, For I do what I do not want to do, but what I hate to do. Do you hear the desperation in his voice? This is speaking to the Christians here. Christians who are struggling with being Christian. Because that sin 
that is just designed just for you is right there in front of you all the time. And you step into it more often than you'd like to admit. Right? For I do what I do not want to do. See, the problem is so many people think that when you become a Christian that you have to live the straight and narrow. And you're supposed to. But that you can't falter. And the thing is, is that we're human. And we falter, don't we? And we, we step out of line. And we, we do things or we say things that we shouldn't. Right? We act in ways that we shouldn't. We are sin, sinning against God, sinning against you know, our, our faith, our belief in Jesus Christ. We are doing that. When we doubt, when we... Um, worry, we do all these things, we're, we're, we're turning against God, and people think that when you come to church, that you're supposed to put on this happy face that everything's okay, right? I had a mentor tell me one time that um, you're going to come in on a Sunday morning with all these people in church, and there are going to be people who are on the brink of suicide, there are going to be people who are alcoholics, people who abuse their spouses, there, I mean, this is just... There are going to be people who are on just the last thread, and you're not, they just don't know how they're even going to get through the service, let alone the rest of the day. And the problem is, my mentor told me, is that they're all dressed in their Sunday best, and you can't tell who they are. Right? Here's the thing. Our church is not a monument to saints. Our church is a hospital sinners. Amen? Amen? We're here to be fixed, to be healed by God. And it doesn't matter if you just came to the faith or if you've been a Christian your whole life. We continually need God's healing in our lives. God's healing of relationships, God's healing of our mind, our body, our spirit, God's healing of who we are. And so here's this man, Paul, one of the greatest Christians ever to be, right? And here we read this scripture from Romans, and he is struggling with the same things that you and I struggle with. I am doing what I do not want to do. Those things that I wish I would do, I'm not doing them, because the sin is so much easier. It's so much easier. There's hope for us. There's hope that Christ can heal us. And so we come to church not to march around in a parade and talk about how wonderful my faith is, but we come to church so that we can be healed by the living Christ. We come to church so that we can grab the hands of the people who are around us and know that we are not alone in this journey. Amen? Amen. That God has sent us one another to help us on this journey. So, if we are then a hospital for sinners, not a monument to saints, would you agree? We are a hospital for sinners in this church then uh, we need to be looking for things to be thankful for in this way. In the midst of our falling short, 
in the midst of our not being good enough, in the midst of the fact that we follow that sin instead of doing what is right, in the midst of all of those things, God still loves us. And God promises to never, ever, ever, ever leave us. And those are the things that we can grab hold of in our faith and in our church and be thankful that God knows this about us and loves us. Thank you. 